for it. It's all for one, and it's one for all. Let's go. The time that we all been waiting on The moment all the naysayers been hating on See they been talking down on us and flexing It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up But not the boys on Kirby so you can pack it up Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole all right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and as usual, I am joined by my host and friend, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And John, how are you recovering from the complete ass whooping I gave you over the weekend in fantasy football? Wait, you did you gave me an ass whooping in fantasy football? Oh, Oh, yeah, I destroyed you this week. Did you? Yeah. That's all right. It happens. 214 to 157. Yeah, with Melvin Gordon being on my active roster, scoring zero points at my RB1 position. Yeah, I forgot a couple. It looks like I forgot a defensive player. But it it's wouldn't okay. have mattered because I would have put Marlon. I would have put Marlon Mack in that spot, and he scored forty-one on my bench. So, yeah, yeah, you, you took you took one this weekend. My team's looking pretty stacked after the trade. I have to be honest. Actually, I think long term, my team's probably in a better spot. Wow, how could you possibly say that? Maybe not this year, but long term, definitely. Oh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I got. The young Pat Mahomes holding it down. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, John, and we we have – can I say that we had a complete victory yesterday for the Houston Texans against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, I'm kind of in disbelief about it, to tell you the truth. Like, I don't even know how to react, but what happened there? <laughs> Uh, this was a game that I had pretty much already written off that we were going to lose. We we're going to find some heartbreaking way to lose it. And we didn't. We just kicked the shit out of them. Yeah. Did When Kessler came in, though, were you thinking, God, it's just one of those moments where we're going to lose this game to another backup quarterback? No, I was more afraid of him than I was of Borles. But... I mean, it's Cody Kessler. Like he wasn't bringing them, he wasn't bringing them back to win. He would. I thought at best he was going to make it more interesting. The only the only person that could have caused us to collapse when Kessler came in was Watson, just constantly getting sacked and fumbling the ball. And I mean, the way that we were running the ball and moving the ball, it's like that just wasn't going to happen. Like it. Honestly, once we got up by two scores, it is the most calm I've been watching a football game in a very long time. I enjoyed it. Let's do that again. Yeah, yeah. So let's just hop right in. You were talking. You went straight into the offensive line. So let's let's start with the offense. Look, the offensive line started off. Uh, it started off where I thought, oh, here here we go again. Here, here we go again. Another fast 4-3 defensive end is just going to shred Davenport. And the first quarter, that's what it looked like. And then things started to settle down, and the offensive line put together a good game. And they put together a good game in the sense of pass protection was, was okay. It was better than what he's seen. And the run blocking was phenomenal. I mean... Well, I take that back. The run blocking was good, and then Lamar Miller was just phenomenal. Yeah, where the hell did that come from? Like, yeah, I don't know. Where did that come from? He was showing things that he has not shown his entire time here in Houston. Did you see? He actually did a jump cut. I know. 
I know. I didn't think I didn't think that was a legal move. Yeah, he he looked he looked very refreshed and very he just looked extremely comfortable. And I'm not sure what the sudden change was for him to just get it. Now, look, the Jags rush defense is, I think, bottom of the league. uh, And we took advantage of it. And look, if that's what we're going to see moving forward, if that's the running back and the run game moving forward, I feel 10 times better about this team. There's, yeah, there is quite a few positives to take away from from this game including with Watson not even playing his best game. He, he wasn't even needed to play his best game. Um, did you make that drop of Hopkins just, you know, saying he's the best? Because that's really how it should start. No, I didn't. I didn't. And I should have. And I will have it for us next weekend. But you're right. I mean, look, DeAndre uh, owned Jalen Ramsey. I mean, just owned Jalen Ramsey all game. There were throws that Deshaun missed that he should have hit DeAndre on. Uh, and yeah, no, I mean, DeAndre is the best wide receiver in football. There's really just no way to argue it anymore. Uh, right now, the, how he's playing, he is the best right now. Yeah, he is. And he's consistent and he has glue on his hands and He's just he's just awesome. And, and you know, another thing that really it really didn't show up too much. It just showed up when we needed it is just Will Fuller's route running. I mean, Will Fuller Will Fuller is just turning into this dynamic wide receiver that is a true dependable number 2 option for this offense and it it's amazing to see. You know, look, Deshaun didn't have a great game by Deshaun standards, right? But he didn't need to. This is one of those games where uh, pretend you had Brian Hoyer at quarterback. And this is kind of what we talked about last week, right? If we were to sit Deshaun, we feel like Bill O'Brien could come up with a game plan to win this game with whoever is at quarterback. And it looks like with the precautions they they took with Deshaun to get to Jacksonville with taking the bus, Bill O'Brien knew that Deshaun was going to be somewhat limited so he built a game plan on how he felt we could beat Jacksonville and then executed it, and it worked out perfectly. No, you're right. I'm glad everybody's starting to catch up to me on what I said the strength of Will Fuller was. It wasn't his 4-2 speed. It was his ability to run routes with 4-2 speed. That's, that is just – you don't see that. And Fuller is just really starting to come into his own. It is interesting, though, when when Kiki Kuti is healthy, how much he cuts into Fuller's production. So that that is very interesting. Once Kuti got hurt, Fuller came back after a couple of games where Fuller was just kind of, you know, not missing, but just not as big of a part. And then with Jordan Akins actually operating as an H-back, yeah. Dude, you have no idea how long I've been waiting to see that. Well, I mean, it's only been a couple of months. We only drafted him in April. But that was perfect. He didn't have to catch a single pass. That That's now on film. It will not surprise me one bit if next week he gets uh, he gets a couple of more targets to put that on film as well. And that's just an added dimension that gets added to this offense and the ability for them to disguise that. Cause now he has flexibility. Jordan Thomas's flexibility is essentially, he can be either an offensive line level blocker in the future. We hope or a pass catching tight end. Now Aiken has demonstrated that he can be an H back level run blocker. And he did a really good job against a tough, a very tough defensive front with the, the Jaguars. Now that's out there. Like these two tight ends, I'm more excited for them, even though they didn't catch a single pass all game. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. I think that uh, Bill O'Brien's getting creative again. Uh, I think he's realizing that he's going to have to game plan a little bit more with the way that Deshaun is feeling right now. 
look, we only have two more games that we need to get in that we need to get through before everybody can rest and get back to normal. So right now, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if this Miami game is very similar. We'll get into the specifics of the Miami game after we break down the Jags game. Look, I'm extremely excited to break down this Miami game for a particular reason. I don't need to say anything. I'm pretty sure everybody knows exactly why we want to break down this game. But we still have to focus on this Jags game because it was exactly what we wanted to see from a team that really hasn't put together a complete game all season. And this team put together a complete game. And... It was very refreshing. It was very refreshing to be able to hold the lead and control the lead all the way through and provide just enough to keep our throats on their or our foots on their neck, but without going crazy. Look, everybody's going crazy about uh, Bill O'Brien and the end of the half and having a minute 20 and three timeouts. And why didn't you keep going? And the reason why he didn't was because he knew he didn't need to. This wasn't a game. If we were playing Aaron Rodgers, if we were playing Tom Brady, hell, if we were playing Pat Mahomes, you can guarantee that Bill O'Brien would have kept pushing down the field at the end of the half. But there was no reason for Deshaun to be put in a situation where he could potentially throw a pick or, or fumble the ball or something happen to take away that lead that they built. So he played the conservative route. You have to know when it's right to be conservative and when it's right to be aggressive. And in my opinion, at that time, I thought that was the right call to be conservative, take the lead, you get the ball back at the half, and then go, you know, go from there. But John, I mean, what are your thoughts? Because I know, I know, Twitter, the Twitter Bob haters are having their opinions, and they're they're not too happy about it. But I mean, what do you think? I mean, about what specifically about the job Bill O'Brien did? I mean, it was one of his I mean, better. That, I mean, honestly, it was yeah, one of his. That, his better coaching performances that he's had definitely the best this year. Usually I am when we go super conservative at the end of a half, I'm like flipping tables, like throwing pillows, like yelling at the screen because I, I hate that. Nothing, nothing burns me up more, but against that Jaguars team with the condition that Deshaun was in, yeah, that was the right move to do. I mean, they they were not going to do anything, not with Bortles. And even just bigger picture, I've said it before, the best thing that Bill O'Brien did was when we had Brock, he didn't lose the team. We've had performances just like Blake Bortles out of our quarterback, and he did not lose the team. And look at how Jacksonville is just melting down. No, you're right. You're you're 100% right. And that speaks to Bill O'Brien. That speaks to the players in the locker room and, and what they believe in Bill O'Brien. Look, I, you know, at the first three games, I was very critical of Bill. Uh, very upset. I was very emotional because I knew that this team was better than what we were seeing on the field. And, you know, to me, like when you have a three-game streak like we did uh, and the way we were losing – I think the criticism was allowed at that time. But now we're on a four-game winning streak. We're at the top of the AFC South, and we're going to make the playoffs. Consider, you know, in the the probability of us making the playoffs is there as long as this train doesn't get derailed. And I don't, I don't see a reason for it to get derailed. To be honest with you, I see this – I see us – progressing and developing at a much higher rate after the bye week. The schedule is extremely favorable. Uh, and you're right. Like Bill O'Brien deserves as much credit for this four game win streak as he was getting for the zero and, you know, the zero and three start. I mean, we were all blaming him and now it's time for us to give him props for what he did. So yeah, I, I, I look the offense was the offense. Was it spectacular? No, but like I said, I don't think that that was the game plan. The game plan was to wear them out, uh, run the ball extremely well, and just just keep going and keep pushing. And that's what we did. And and to be honest, like I said, I think the Miami game is going to be a, a very similar, a very similar approach because Miami's run defense, I think, is 29th in the league. So we're going to build off of that. And then we'll have 10 days off and then we could talk about the Denver game. But look, let's get to the defense, John. There's a lot to get to here on the defense. There's a lot to get here, get to. The defense was 
that was the best defense best defensive game we've had all like for a full game all year but to take it a step for back a little bit more i think it's the best defensive game we've had since the beginning of last season even yeah it was one of those where i love tyron matthews usage I've said it before, I think sometimes our coaching staff takes too much of what the player wants into account when they game plan. Tyron Matthew was used closer to how he had been used in Arizona. He played linebacker. He played a lot of slot corner. I think he played more slot corner than he played any other position. He played free safety. He played outside corner. Uh, I mean, it he was literally all over the field and he was huge, especially with us being so short on corners. And then Kareem Jackson, I mean, what can you say? He even goes back to playing corner and he's playing it better than he did prior to playing safety. I think just playing safety gave him a new perspective and allowed him to look out. Um, Eric Reed. Uh, Justin. Justin Reed, I'm sorry. Justin Reed. What can you say about him? I mean, he's he's going to be a player. I there, I don't think there's a position on the field other than defensive tackle and defensive end that he could not play. You asked him to go play linebacker. I think he could do it. Again, they showed a lot of flexibility with him. And I think having Andre Howell out there um, just fired him up even more. And do we need to talk about Clowney? Uh, yeah, so we're gonna need to talk about Clowney. Let me let me let me finish up on these safeties real quick. Look, coming into the game, we had Sharice Wright out, uh, Colvin out, Kevin Johnson out. Our our corners were Mike Tyson, Jonathan Joseph, and the four safeties. Now, when you have four safeties that all have played corner at one point in their career, it gives you a lot of flexibility with how you can use them and what you're going to do with them. And that can also disguise the defense quite a bit. And Rack deployed those safeties out properly uh, and and just used them properly. The execution from the safeties was was on point. All four of them are 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 real, real players in this in this league. Uh, and we're very blessed with the amount of safeties we have and how good all four of them are. Uh, Andre Hall coming back. Look, that is just one of those stories. Like I know Eric Berry did it, but nobody has done it as quick as Andre Hall. And then his dad died Friday. Like it's just, look, I don't know if the defense played specifically for Andre Hall. But man, I am I would I wouldn't be surprised if there was a part of the, the motivation for the defense was Andre Howell in general. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, for him to come back from cancer and to play like that, like, dude, that that was impressive. Can he just go ahead and give him comeback player of the of the year? I know JJ's making a solid case, but I mean, I'm just kind of Can at a loss for words. Win that? JJ? No, Andre Hall. I don't know because he didn't miss the whole year. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. I'm wondering. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, no. Look, I don't. I I don't care who gets it. Uh, Andre Hall is the definition of like a just one of those guys that just finds a way to defeat any obstacle that comes in his way. Uh, it's amazing to see. It's an amazing story to be able to talk about and share. And uh, I, I'm glad to have him on our team. And and on top of that, both of us have been Andre Hall fans. We, we, we coming into the season, we're hoping that we would get the 2016 Andre Hall. Um, maybe we will. It's still early. But when you have four safeties that are starters, uh, you're going to be able to make up for a lot of inefficiencies at the cornerback position and, uh, that's what they're doing, and 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 honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly how they play. Look, they're all capable of playing zone. And to be honest with you, John, like when I'm thinking about like our issues at corner, our, our biggest issue with corner has been the lack of speed. All four of the uh, no, all 
three of the safeties are rather quick, minus Kareem. Kareem is not very quick. Justin Reed is decently fast. Honey Badger is decently fast, and Andre Hall is decently fast. It may end up being what we what we use move going forward. Um, it's kind of insane when you think about it. Yeah, an all de- an all safety defensive backfield. Go figure. I mean, we've had years where we didn't have two NFL starting safeties, <laughs> and now we have four guys that could start for most teams in the league. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. We're, All right, look, I'm going to let you rush about just, your boy. And then uh, Rack is just going to – he's just creating a new or new defense. All safeties, one corner. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 really, it's really crazy. Uh, and it's, it's awesome. It, it's, a unique, it's a unique defensive look, and it's cool, and it's working for now. And it's probably something that no team has ever seen because, honestly, I can't think of one team that's ever had four starting caliber safeties on their team and all four of them be playmakers. So, uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. All right, so let, let's get let's get to number 90. I know you've been waiting and waiting ever since the game ended yesterday. Couldn't wait to bring them up. Dude, it wasn't even bring before up the, the game ended. Yeah, bring up the trade. Let's go ahead and let you get it all out right here. Go ahead and unload about Jadavion Clowney. I just think you owe him an apology. You might be right. You might be right. Look, John, we've been down this road. I love Clowney. I think he's great. And look, if he's consistent and he's not hurt, then I'm all for this guy being on the team. I I, I really do. Like, I love his personality. I love who he is. I love how he plays when he's playing. I think he's one of I think he's a top 15 defensive player in the league. I really do. He's so versatile, he's fast, he can do so many different things. And you're probably right. Look, he 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 missed one game. He's been consistent on every game that he's played and he's been short of just short of 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 amazing so far this season. Yesterday he had his best game as a I would potentially say as a pro, if you take away the playoff game against the Raiders, uh, he was very disruptive. He was in on every play. The way that you can line him up at so many different spots, it really gives the opposing offense uh, a bunch of headaches. Whether he's lined up as a 3-4 defensive end, an outside linebacker, a middle linebacker, honestly, he could probably play safety because of how fast he is. Like, Yeah, I mean... I, I apologize, JD, and I hope you understand that my criticism just came from the lack of of inconsistent play and availability, and it was nothing personal, Mister Clowney. Uh, don't don't hurt me, please, because you you would probably snap me. I'd probably get like a punch in, but then after that, you you'd probably take me down. And uh, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're making the impact that you're making currently. And I just hope that this happens for the the remainder of the season because when you're on the field, this defense is that much better. Is that was that good? Yeah. <laughs> no, we. I mean that he's kind of proven my point. When he's healthy, he goes from good to transcendent. I mean, very good to transcendent. And there's games where he is transcendent, where he looks like he is the absolute best player on the field. It doesn't matter who the other players out on the field are. Now, when he's kind of hurt, he's still just very, very good. But um, games like... Games like Sundays, yeah, that that was something else. It really was. It really was. It was a great play, or a great, great game by him. Uh... And Rack is so, you know, Rack's really the perfect defensive coordinator for a guy like Clowney. Sure, you can line him up at, at defensive end, and he'd probably thrive in a 4-3 as a defensive end because of his quickness. Um, but the way that Rack uses him is, uh, it's very unique. It's awesome. You know, it, it really kind of reminds me of JJ uh, when when he came into the league and, and you know, when, he, when Rack got with him the first time, you know, he'd line him up everywhere. Clowney is just more of an athletic freak than JJ, which I think when we had prime JJ, most of us probably would have never even thought about. But 
as an athlete, he is, uh, he's amazing. I mean, he truly is amazing. And I really hope that we get to see another full season from him because he is an amazing player. And then on top of that, you know, with going into next year with our cap space, I think we have like 89 million in cap. Look, we have enough to sign Clowney. We have enough to sign Matthew. We have enough to sign Reader. Uh, and then also bring in potentially a, a huge free agent if, if necessary, if there's one there, or potentially trade for a player, which we will get to here shortly. But you're right. You're right. J.D. Clowney, is, is, he makes the defense that much better. And on top of that, what we got to witness yesterday was, and I think it was for the first time, honestly, in Texans history, we got to witness what it looks like when all three get going. Merciless had his best game of the season in a lot of different areas outside of just pressuring the quarterback. He was great against the run. He got his first sack. He was definitely living in the backfield as he was before he got hurt last year. Uh, So we're starting to truly see that picture that we painted four years ago. And it's truly, it's truly amazing. I mean, this is what we wanted, right? This is what we drafted Clowney for. This is why we have all three of them on the team still. And if Merck gets going at the level that we know he can get to, which I would expect after the bye or potentially after the Miami game when they have 10 days off, this defense is just going to get better. It's just going to get better. And it's really exciting. Well, we've really only got one major hole. And right now the safeties, they did a good job of covering that up. We still need a solid corner. And to quote your boy uh, Texans Cap on Twitter, we have the we'll pro, we're projected to have the third most cap space. And somebody asked him, "Well, what do you do with all that cap space?" He's like, "Whatever the hell you want. You resign Clowney, you can still do whatever the hell you want. Resign Merck and Clowney, you can still do whatever the hell you want. Resell." Resign Clowney, Merck, and Matthew. You can still do whatever the hell you want. We've got a lot of cap space now. It's just making sure that a the players that we want to stay want want to actually stay in Houston, um, which it looks like they will. I mean, they have turned it around. If we had another disaster season, I think some of them would be wanting out. And if we hadn't started to turn it around, I wouldn't. Maybe it would be a good thing to let them walk. But, I mean, I guess we should, could kind of just go straight to it. I really, really think we should trade for Pat Pete. We've talked about it before, yep. but we've got the space. We have the draft picks. He has an amazing contract. He comes over. He could probably play corner for us for, at a high level for at least another three years. And then he could be moved to safety. This is a player that they originally wanted even more so than they wanted J.J. Watt. Now, granted, it worked out for us, but still, they the, they were very, very high on Pat Pete. Now, I don't know how many people from that front office are still around, but he was the guy the Texans wanted. It makes sense. Tyron Matthews shouting out to him on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah, look, I mean, everybody knows where I stand. You know, I'm not going to say I broke the news because I don't know if the Texans will trade for him, but I did call that the Cardinals will tra- will trade Pat Pete by the trade deadline. And if Thursday's game was not evident of evidence on why they would, then I don't know what to tell you because that team is in full full rebuild. They may have their quarterback of the future. Maybe firing Mike McCoy will help, but Larry Fitzgerald's retiring at the end of this season. That defense is getting old outside of uh, Chandler Jones. And, uh, yeah, it, it makes sense for them to trade. Get as many draft picks as you can to rebuild your team. Now, will the Texans trade for Pat Peters is a real question. Do we think that they have the – I don't want to say balls because – It's not that. It's more of, do they think that they need Pat Pete? And I'm hoping that they're not, if they're, if they're addressing it, if they're approaching the trade from that standpoint, that 
I don't know if we need him, then the front office is failing us in general because it's not about need. It's about improving this this defense in a manner that, look, we are truly like a corner or two away from being just a terrifying defense moving forward. If you could put Pat Pete opposite JJ, who has had a great year for everybody that thought he'd lost a step, you now have turned that defense into an amazing de- from an amazing defense to a once in a lifetime type of defense. Pat, Pat Pete, look, I'm not going to keep going down this Pat Pete path because he, I've, I've said it. He's my favorite corner in the league. Texans have to make the move. And it does at this point, honestly, John, it doesn't matter what the what what it is they're asking. If they're asking a first, oh, I wouldn't you be take mad. it. I would not no, be mad you, at all. If I woke up tomorrow morning no. and they're like, we traded a first, I'd be like, did we get Pat Pete? If he said yes, I'd be like, hell yeah. It's better than what yeah, the Cowboys no. just did. Oh boy. Oh boy. Don't get me started. Jerry, Jerry, congratulations, Jerry. Hey, look, before we like keep going, look. Applaud John Gruden for even being able to get a first for Amari Cooper. They are now entering the draft next year with three first round picks. And the following year, they will have two. That is some crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, you talk about wanting to rebuild your team in a fast manner. (laughs) Five first round picks in, in two years, you're probably going to be able to make the impact you want on a rebuild in a much quicker manner. So I applaud John Gruden for that. I like what he's doing now. I'm start at first. I was like, God, what a freaking idiot! But look, he wants to build his team the way that he wants his team to be constructed, and I I applaud that. I, I appreciate that he's willing to go the lengths he's going. He's got a ten year contract. He knows that. He knows his job's secure. Build your team to what you want your team to be. So, uh, yeah, no, I think I think I think it's awesome. Will it work out? I don't know. They got to hit on the draft picks, right? But to have that many, uh, the 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 chances of you succeeding are pretty high. So, but yeah, look back to Pat Pete. If the Texans want to be successful and they really want to make a run, Pat Pete's the guy. You're gonna ha- you're not gonna have to. I mean, you'll draft another corner next year just because you want to have fresh young legs and you want to be able to turn that cornerback farm league, you know, developmental. Uh, type of corner into something at some point, but and J. Joe's probably not going to play much more. But when you have somebody like Pat Pete on on this team, it's just one of those things that changes the game. So yeah, I'm all for a first round pick at this point if that's what it takes. Uh, I don't think they'll part with a first round pick though. Uh, yeah, I don't think the front off. I don't think they'll want to do that. I think a second and maybe next year third, I could see them doing, but. Anything above a second, I just think that they'll unless unless they're able to give up like next not next year's draft, but the draft after that first round pick. If Arizona can do that, then maybe. But I don't see them giving. I don't see them wanting to go back to back years without a first round pick. No, I think you're right, and I mean it's not going to happen because it just makes too much sense. You trade for Pat Pete, you could probably get him with a second round pick, and you know couple other random picks he would be able to slide in and essentially replace jonathan joseph next year yep. we would get them both for this year it just makes too much sense to do it and i think other teams probably look at the texans and go that makes a little bit too much sense which is entirely why it won't happen but man it it's fun to think about i, I wish i wish there was something we could do start a gofundme or Something that would just say, hey, we this is how badly we want him. But again, all we can do is dream. Yeah, I, I was thinking about emailing Bill, you know, since I got it to that point now where like I email him and he, he responds with like, yeah, I'll come on the show. So I, I was thinking if I could put a case together and show him what the cap numbers would be like, like a PowerPoint and then just end it with like a picture of Pat Pete. I think, I think maybe we could get it done. Maybe. <laughs> just don't know how much influence I truly have over there on NRG, but you know, I'm thinking I have more than I probably do, so it's worth a shot. You know, just just keep sending pictures of Pat Pete 
just you know <laughs> random pictures of him like making interceptions just you know staring at the camera just going like bill you know you want to send maybe send oh, him I'm sure one, he wants to maybe send him one of him winking you know oh that'd be cute yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Maybe I will send an email. I don't know if it'll get us any further, but you know, maybe I'll just like send them a link to like our po- our podcast from week 2 of this season and say, "Hey, look, here's your corner. Uh, I told you if you would listen to me that this could be our corner." If, so, you know, if you want to give me a front office job or whatever, let me know. Um, but no. Look, before we move off of the defense, I do want to talk about um the linebackers, this linebacking core is turning into what we thought they were, right, John? I mean, when we came into the season, we we said that this was our strongest group. Now, obviously, that's not the case anymore because the safeties have overtaken the strongest group because there's so many goddamn safeties on this team. But And, and then we lost Dylan Cole, right? But uh, Zach Cunningham has stepped up his game since being, you know, thrashed by Saquon Barkley. And uh, Bernard McKinney just looks like he just showed up, you know, two, three weeks ago. And now it's 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 back on. And um, it's nice to know that we have I mean, our run defense, as much as it is our defensive line, uh, our linebackers are making a huge impact on on our rush defense as well. And if if this continues, I think uh, it'll be good things for both of them. I, I think. I think our linebackers are right there. Zach Cunningham's learning how to cover, you know, getting better at covering, and he's he's just he's just so good in general. But uh, I just want to get your thoughts on the linebackers and and uh, kind of where they're at in comparison to what we thought coming into the season. I mean, they're about they're finally kind of making that uh, making that step. Cunningham had a little bit of a sophomore slump because everybody was targeting him. And the past couple of weeks, he's kind of proven that he can he can still cover. And, you know, he remembered how to tackle, which was very, very nice. <laughs> I'm glad he did so. McKinney has just gotten back to being, being solid. I was, again, kind of surprised that how often Matthew lined up as a linebacker. And that worked out well, too. I'm kind of hoping that Dylan Cole is one of the players brought back from the IR, even though... It'll probably be a corner, but I mean, the guys are doing good. Uh, they're bringing back keys. He looked pretty impressive during the preseason. So I'm actually excited to see him come back. Yep. Um, poor guy. I'm blanking on his name. Blocks a punt. Colin Bailly. No, not Colin Bailly. But he, uh, no, he just he just got released today because of injury settlement. Oh, a- Adams? Yeah, he blocked that punt. That's the only thing he did. Yeah. But hey, he blocked the punt. Yeah. No, it'll be nice if we if if Keys if Keys comes back and he's healthy and he's playing well again. That'll be a, a good addition. I would like to see Dylan Cole back. You're right, it will probably be a corner just because and it I haven't seen Eric, you know, honestly, you say it might be a corner, but the only corner on IR now is is Kevin Johnson. Aaron Colvin's never has not been on IR, has he? No, Colvin has not been placed on IR yet. Um, however, the uh, the guy that they they drafted. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's uh, his Kelly. name? What's his name? Yeah, it's Jermaine, Jermaine Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, there was talk that he would be the first one to come off the IR. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Kelly as long as it's not KJO. I, I honestly don't care at this point. I'm actually kind of um, shocked that I, it would be Kelly because he didn't play at all during the preseason either. Yeah, well, look, I mean, most of our team didn't. So, I mean, I mean, does fair it enough. really hurt? <laughs> I mean, the only reason God. I can kind of see it is Kelly, Kevin Johnson. And Kelly were the only two corners we had that had any sort of legs. Um, so maybe that's why. But I really, I don't get the logic, but that's that's kind of been the rumor. I think it was John McClain that actually floated it. And usually when it comes to personnel, I mean, it, as much of, much hell that we give pancakes, he's usually pretty right when it comes to little moves like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So, I mean, look, it was a great game. We, uh, we won and we won in a convincing fashion. Uh, the next two matchups aren't hard matchups. They're matchups that we can win if we play the way we played and get a little bit more out of Deshaun. I don't expect to get a little bit more out of Deshaun this Thursday. Uh, and Denver's going to, only reason Denver is going to be hard is because you're playing in Denver, which is just a completely different animal than most of the, uh, most of the visiting fields that you go play at. But one thing I did want to talk about is with Deshaun taking the bus, uh, how hurt is Deshaun right now? Not necessarily like what is hurt, but how hurt is he? From the little bit of research I did, which you means I asked a doctor, um, if he has a bruised lung, that would make sense. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a broken rib or a punctured lung, just a bruised lung. If you're trying to get somebody that has a bruised lung and they're going to do some strenuous athletic activity, you know, like play a football game, then you wanted to keep his elevation changes to a minimum because that just adds additional stress to it. And something about the lower oxygen up at higher levels could pretty much increase the soreness and lead to a chance of infection. So it's one of those things that was probably being a little bit overly cautious. Because obviously he can't be that bad or he wouldn't have been out on the field. I mean, he's hurting. Like, he is an absolute warrior. I'm not taking anything away from him. But he's not on his deathbed about to be admitted to a hospital type hurt. He's just very, very, very beat up. Hmm. Okay. Well, look, I mean, the good thing is we play Miami. They don't have a, a that great of a pass rush. The Denver game's a little different, kind of scary for me. I think that it may be the best pass rush we've actually faced just because it's Von Miller, it's Bradley Chubb, it's Shane Ray. Um, we can get to that next week. So I guess we'll have to figure out exactly what he's feeling after the Miami game. Let's let's hop into the main topic that everybody wants to discuss. Brocktober. Brocktober is here and Brock Osweiler has actually had some probably to be honest with you in the past few games has had his best games as a pro and much better than any game he ever played for us. Uh, Is this a revenge game? You know, funny, I saw this on Twitter. They were saying this is a revenge game for Brock Osweiler. How is this a revenge game for Brock Osweiler when we handed this man $72 million, <laughs> literally traded away a second to get rid of him, <laughs> and <laughs> and it's a revenge game for him? How about it's a revenge game for us for completely blowing up what this team should have been had we gotten literally just the play that he's done the last two weeks in Miami? I mean, wow. It's, I don't think it's a revenge game so much as it's, he's going to shit the bed. You You know that, right? He's going to shit the bed. I mean, I I hope so. But after rewatching that last game yesterday against the Lions, he is not the reason they lost the game. Yeah, but... You also know how well he kind of performs under pressure and how he's been capable of putting together two or three games where he looked okay and then just completely melting down. I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure that he's going to put on himself to come back to Houston and and win, but he's he's not. He's going to shit the bed. Now, the Dolphins may they may still beat us. That's still a possibility. But it won't be because of Brock. He's not going to play very well. Hmm. I, I hope ne- you're right. I, I hope- never say statements like this. I watched way too much Brock. You watched way too much Brock. You know I'm right. Yeah, I know you're right. I just... Uh, it, it, 
Look, it would be the most Houston story if Brock came in here and lit us on fire and we lost because of Brock Osweiler. That is a Houston headline that I could easily see because that's what happens to us. I agree with you. I, I agree, but I don't know. There's something looming in the air because I watched his, I watched his press conference today. He's like a completely different person. He's not, he's nowhere near. I don't think there's any pressure. I think, I think he's playing with no pressure. And I think that's why he's actually playing better. I think mentally he's in a good spot where he doesn't have the contract. He's not expected to play at the level that he's playing at these last two games. And I think he feels like he could just kind of go out there and, and do whatever it is he needs to do. It the press conference was very weird, John. It was I, I don't know if you watched it, but it was so opposite of any Brock Osweiler interview or press conference that we had while he was here. It was very, it was different. It was just different. He didn't come off as a pastor. He wasn't trying to find these ridiculous fucking statements about how an interception tells a story or how he has a lot of film in this league and that, you know all the stupid comments that we could add to this podcast. It was these direct answers and he was very confident, but he wasn't coming off the way he did. And, you know, he talked about his mechanics and how Adam Gase was working with him on his mechanics. And that that's one of the things that he thinks he's approved on the most was his footwork and mechanics. And uh, there, he was just talking about things and, and the way he was saying things was just completely different. I hope you're right. I believe that you're right. Uh, but I just got a very weird feeling that Brock might just be a different guy right now. When you're the backup and you're insert, inserted into a starting role, it's different than when you're a starter and you're expected to start and be that that quarterback. I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I want to say for sure you're right. He's going to come in here and shit the bed. But I don't think he's going to come in here and shit the bed. I still think we win. But I, I don't think he's going to be – I think we're going to see a better Brock Osweiler at, at NRG than we ever saw at NRG when he was with us, if that makes any sense. No, that makes all the sense in the world, and you kind of just proved my point. When he has no pressure, he was fine. When he had no pressure, his um, his conferences, they were more natural. As soon as things started to go bad or as soon as something – would pop up that would frustrate him to all hell. That's kind of how he would cope. He just, he did not handle pressure well at all. And it wasn't even like it was a ton of pressure with us. Bill O'Brien knows his limitations probably better than any coach in the NFL. Maybe save Adam Gase. You know Brock's going to want to come in and he's going to want to play well, especially for the way that him and O'Brien apparently ended. The little blow up at, after the Titans game. Where, what's this, where Brock was like, you don't really need me? And cried manly tears. I mean, not very manly, but sort of manly. Just because he's bigger than me, he could still kick my ass. But yeah, he's going to put the pressure on himself and he's going to fall first it'll be a, a more huge it'll be it, it will be entirely the most houston thing ever if he comes in and lights the world on fire against us but other than just trying to reverse jinx it i can't see that happening i could entirely see him playing like shit the dolphins still win to me that's pretty houston he does something like he did against the colts where he looks like dog shit the entire game, but then leads that one drive out his ass. That could happen. Or it's very possible that he comes in and he plays just all right. And we win. I'll take that one too. Yeah. I don't care how we win. As long as we win, if Brock comes and lights us up, then he lights us up. As long as we walk away with the W, uh, I truly don't care at this point. I'm used to ugly wins. Um, I just I find it interesting just the way that he's been lately, and it's honestly was that was his best press conference. And I know like you can't take a lot from a press conference, right? Like has nothing to do with the play on the field, but 
when you're trying extremely hard, like he did when he was here to make these profound statements and profound press conferences and, and come off as, you know, I am the guy. Um, I don't know. It's just different. It's different. I, I, I think you're right. I, and I'm, I'm, I tend to put a lot into people's body language and the way that they act, but um, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. Either way, JJ, Clowney and Merck know what they went through that season. So uh, uh, hell, Clowney probably remembers single-handedly winning a playoff game at, with Brock at quarterback. So, uh, yeah, th- those three are coming, and they're they're going to be coming extremely hard. And I'm sure all three of them want to hit him. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's really enough about Brock. Like, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on Brock. We spent a whole season on Brock, so uh, there's no reason for us to give him more time. Uh, I do want to touch on something that's not Texans, though, real quick. We caused a uh, we caused a shift in the AFC South, but we also caused a shift specifically to a team in the Jacksonville Jaguars. They decided to bench Blake. Um, there, are, they reports came out today that they're actually going to start Blake this week against the Raiders, I believe. Uh, but when we were when you're watching the game, you could see uh, Navaku. What's his name? You have, you have Navaku. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Their defensive end was yelling at the at the coach. Um, that team is in in disarray right now. I mean, we we broke them. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty cool. What I'm wondering is where do they go from here, though? Because they have a ton of talent on their team. Oh, they are still I think scary right now, talented. I mean, yeah, scary scary talented. There is always a chance that they can figure it out and turn their season around. Hell, there's a chance that they figure it out and kick the shit of shit out of us at at NRG here in December. Right now, though, yeah. until they get their quarterback situation out figured out, I just can't see it. I honestly do think that Blake Bortles could be a top five tight end. Here's a stat that I bet you didn't. I bet you didn't know. Guess who's the most efficient running quarterback in the league? Yeah, it's Blake Bortles. You know, they should just go wishbone or triple option. Just not let him throw the ball. Just go old school. Hell, run a single wing. They'll probably have better luck than they are right now with them. And they just announced that he's going to start the next game. Yeah, no, but we say that. But if you look at his stats throwing the ball, he was actually fine yesterday in comparison to Cody Kessler. And he he didn't lose the game with his throwing. He lost the game with his efficient running because he fumbled twice. So I, I actually think that Marone made a, a bad decision yesterday, but uh, pulling Bortles. I know his statement was you can't you can't pull all eleven guys, but uh, I, I don't know. I just I know that he fumbled twice, but I think that could happen to any quarterback. But he didn't lose you the game with his arm. And he has a much stronger arm than Cody Kessler. When we talk about noodle arms, Cody Kessler is at the top of the noodle arm picture or rankings or whatever you want to put him. He does not have an arm at all. Uh, I, I just thought it was a knee-jerk reaction. I thought it was a very Bill O'Brien thing to do, kind of like the Brian Hoyer thing and and the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing and the Tom Savage thing. I probably could name a couple other quarterbacks, the Brock Osweiler thing. But uh, um I guess not the Brock thing because he deserved to be pulled, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I found it. I found it. I know he's trying to put a, like give a, the team a jolt, but uh, I don't, I, I but my take away the fumbles, uh, which, you know, whatever. And I, I think Blake is a better quarterback than Cody Kessler. I mean, that's not saying anything at all. You sound like no, Blake facts. No, I know, but when you're better, like you should stay on the field, I guess is my point. So you go from a third string quarterback to maybe a second string quarterback. Uh, that sometimes, John, that could be a big difference. I look, I'm not saying I'm not defending Blake. I'm not saying he's a a starting NFL quarterback. I just I, I didn't think it was the right decision. That that's I guess that's all I'm saying. I, I, I don't think Doug Marone made the right decision doing that. And I think he hurt the team more now because he's going back to Blake Bortles. So it's like, okay, you pulled him because he was inefficient, not good enough to finish the game. And now we're going to game plan and like 
we already are making him the starter on Monday. We're not even going through practices and seeing who's the better quarterback. We're just going to give Blake the starting job. I, I don't know. To me, that's just that locker room is just going to be more. Honestly, that disarray is going to continue because Blake is still at quarterback. Yeah. No. I so I I get where Doug Marone was coming from. You pull the quarterback as a statement. It kind of gets everybody's attention because if you can pull the quarterback, you can pull anybody. Bill O'Brien did it with us. He's done it multiple times with us. It doesn't necessarily work, and I can understand what you're saying because it just causes even more discord. But they weren't winning that game no matter what. They weren't going to be able to move the ball. And it's one of those, it's like, there's really no harm in trying. What if Kessler came out and just lit the world on fire? You never know. Sometimes that that happens with backups every now and then. Not as often as we'd like, not as often as we think we'd like, because that's why backup quarterbacks are usually the most popular player in town. But it does occasionally happen. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I don't expect I didn't expect them to win even with Blake, but I just I just wanted to get that out there. Um all right, John. Started the season 0-3. We're now four and three, sitting atop number one in the AFC South. The Titans and Jags are exactly well, the Titans are exactly who we thought they were, and the Jags are exactly what we thought they could potentially be with Blake Bortles at quarterback. The Colts scare me though. Um, It looks like they're starting to get it together. I know they're far behind right now. I think it's two games behind us, but would you be surprised if the Colts went on a run and challenged us for the top spot in the AFC South? Dude, at this point, nothing would surprise me. We started 0-3. And lost to the Giants. And we're now in first place in the AFC South. Nobody fucking knows. <laughs> like, you really don't. There, We talk about parody every week. We talk about how nobody really has that many impressive wins in a row. Unless you're the Chiefs. Um, everybody else, when they win, they kind of squeak by. Including the Patriots. So... It's entirely within the realm of possibility that the Colts get hot. They have arguably the best quarterback in the AFC South when he's healthy. So, I mean, it's possible. It's entirely possible that we end up fighting the Colts for for the division because the Titans and the Jaguars continue to tailspin. The Jaguars have so much talent, though, that you would think that they could just blindly stumble into being 8-8. and you would think. And the Titans are going to continue to be handicapped as long as Mariota can't throw the ball. That's a defense or that's an offense that really should maybe consider going to one of those old school triple option single wing, you know, because Mariota can run like hell right now. But with that nerve issue, as with his hand, he just he can't throw consistently. And the yeah. hell, they almost beat the Chargers, yeah. and the Chargers are a really good team. They may not have any fans. The Chargers but are a really good team. They are a really good team. Philip Rivers is quietly having maybe his best year as a, as a quarterback in this league, which is crazy to say, considering how long he's been here. Uh, he's got a ton of weapons, uh, and, and that was that was without Melvin Gordon that they won. It, it Melvin Gordon is a game changing running back. Um, and I think he was number two entering this this week as far as uh, yards and touchdowns in the league. It was him and Gurley. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, the Chargers are a good team and the Titans were in there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess the whole point of this conversation was how much better do we feel after yesterday's game? Uh, the first convincing win that we've had, the first all full four quarters that we played a complete game. Uh, how much how better how much better do you feel after this victory uh, moving forward as we sit here right now? I don't feel better. I mean, it's one of those that 
yeah, the team finally kind of played up to our expectations. But you never know what the next week's going to bring. Of course, we get to have our best game of the season, and then we get to follow it up on a Thursday night game, which could easily ruin ruin my mood. Right now, I feel great. But hell, I've felt great after every single of the wins. I don't care if we win by one point against the worst team in the league as long as we win. Because you just never know. Somebody will sneak up and win a game. And we'll easily lose a game that we should win. Hell, we'll lose a game that we're going to dominate the whole game that looks like we should win and it looks like we should win easily. We've already done that. We'll probably do it again. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that this is my thought on the Texans moving forward. I think that um, things are going well right now, but they're not going as well as they could. Uh, We still have quite a bit of (coughs) – excuse me. We still have quite a bit of injuries that we're dealing with. Uh, Kiki won't be playing on Thursday. Um, But I guess my expectation is that we beat the Dolphins. I think that we can beat the Broncos, but I don't know if we will. Uh, and then I think we go into the bye and we come out and we see the offense we expected to see. That That's that's my expectation. And I think if we can pair that offense that we expected to see coming into the season with the defense that we have, maybe even adding a Pat Pete, please God, add a Pat Pete. Um, I think that we will – I think we'll start to run away. That, that's my expectation. You know, we won this game without – any passing offense. I think Deshaun only had 137 yards. Uh, it was all through the ground. I expect this next game to be all through the ground as well. And I think that they are going to let Deshaun get back into form, get healthy. And then I expect us to really start to take off. I'm not saying at a Mahomes level, uh, because I just don't expect that. I expect some regression from Deshaun moving forward because he's a he's a gunslinger. He's going to throw picks. We're going to have to live with those picks. I appreciate that he throws picks. I know it sounds crazy, but at least he's taking chances. Uh, and I think that we really start to build on it. That's that's my expectation moving forward. I think we go ten and six the rest of the season. I do think we'll lose three games. And honestly, if we went twelve and four, I wouldn't be shocked either because our schedule is so easy moving forward. Uh, I think the Colts are the hardest team left. And I think that we, we we go into the playoffs feeling really, really good about this team in comparison to where we were three weeks ago, which is not what I expected to say. But that convince, that type of convincing win that we had on Sunday to me shows that we can compete with the best and we can play with anybody in the league. We just have to get that offense clicking at all parts, including the passing game. So that's my expectation moving forward, and I think that's going to be the case. John, what else do we got? Is that it? That's it. Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. One more thing. One more thing. Uh, as I'm passing out almost on the mic for some reason, I'm so tired. Did you happen to see that video of that Texans fan getting knocked out? Yeah. What the hell, dude? Dude, that's some fucked up fuck boy shit. Like, I'm sorry, but you don't go to NFL games and act like a total cock the way that that dude did. I mean, a side pee, like a, a blindside punch to the fucking face. Are you kidding me? That's just, that's un, unexcusable, dude. Unexcusable. That I, I was so shocked when I saw that. And it was, it was so upsetting. I almost wanted to send it to the Texans and be like, Hey, look, this fan just got knocked out. Like, can you guys figure out who it was and send them some tickets or take care of them? Like no dude, no fan should ever have to go through that experience at 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 a freaking NFL game. That's out of hand, unexcusable, and that guy's most likely going to catch in a fucking assault case because of how stupid he was. Oh, I I agree on 100%. I know it would make him feel better. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was a shitty situation. So yeah, when I saw that, I I I want to make sure I said something cuz that's some bullshit. Yeah, you should if, uh, if you should send that that email to Bill O'Brien. Hey, watch this video. You know how to make him feel better? A wink and pat, Pete. <laughs> I'll just put together a video montage. Bow, bow, knocked out, laying on the stairs. Pat, Pete, winking. Huh, I can save you from that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, well, look, this has been a good week. We got a short week. Uh, so I guess, well, John, will we be recording, now that we're doing this over the computer, will we be recording after the Thursday game? We're going to wait. We're not going to wait till Monday, are we? Um. 
maybe mean, like a, fr- a late night Friday night session or a late night Saturday night session, maybe. Yeah, we can figure it out. Okay, cool, awesome. Well, look, guys, this is a lot different than where we were, uh, you know, four weeks ago. It's awesome. Ride the ride the high right now. Uh, we're going against Brock Osweiler on Thursday. We're going to win that game. You heard it here first. Uh, and enjoy what we're going through right now and just know that it's going to get better than what we already are, which is a good sign. Uh, you can find Texans unfiltered on literally at this point, you can find them on us on any podcast platform possible. That includes Spotify. Yes. Our friends at Spotify are now, now host Texans unfiltered, your favorite Houston Texans podcast. So, be sure to just Google Texans Unfiltered Podcast. You will find us everywhere. If you're using Spotify, podcast, pod, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, Libsyn, all of it. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Just know that. Just know that. Uh, and before I sign off, early voting starts this week, guys. I'm, I try not to be political. So no matter what party you vote for, make sure you get out there and vote. Um, I'm not going to say who I'm pulling for, but I'm pretty sure if anybody knows me or knows my statements on a lot of things, you know who I'm voting for. If so, hurrah, if you're on my side, if not, I still love you. Uh, and with that, I am young Ari gold signing off for Texans unfiltered your Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. We'll catch you guys next week.